It was the singing that gave away their location. For months, the Christians of Rome had been meeting in secret, hiding in the underground tombs outside the walls of the city. These hidden chambers of the catacombs had become the primitive cathedral of Rome. It was here that the Pope, Sixtus II, had been consecrated in a secret ceremony. It was here in these dark corridors, surrounded by the bones of the martyrs, that the Pope celebrated the Eucharist with those courageous enough to join him. They gathered after dark, clinging to the shadows as they tried to walk unseen through the city gates. Once inside the catacombs, they recited the prayers in hushed tones, not daring to make a sound. But on this night, something went wrong. Someone was followed, or someone made too much noise. Either way, their fate was sealed. As the Pope sat in his chair to address the congregation, soldiers emerged from the darkness and raised their swords ready to strike. The historical record would be silent about what exactly took place next, because many of the eyewitnesses would be too busy trying to stay alive to recount the story. But the aftermath was undeniable. The Pope had been beheaded and six of his deacons had been executed. The Pope would be buried in the papal crypt in the nearby catacomb of St. Callistus. His blood-stained chair would be placed behind his tomb as a testament to the violence of his death. A hundred years later, the tomb of Pope Sixtus II would be marked with a testament describing these events from his own perspective. It said, At the time when the sword pierced the bowels of the mother, I, buried here, taught as pastor the word of God. When suddenly the soldiers rushed in and dragged me from the chair, the faithful offered their necks to the sword, but as soon as the pastor saw the ones who wished to rob him of the palm of martyrdom, he was the first to offer himself and his own head, not tolerating that the pagan frenzy should harm the others. Christ, who gives recompense, made manifest the pastor's merit, preserving unharmed the flock. Every generation likes to presume that they are living in the worst era of history, and it is often natural for Christians to look at the current state of the church and fear that the end must be near. The martyrdom of Pope Sixtus II is one of those moments in history that puts everything else in perspective. As this testament explains, this was the time when Holy Mother Church was pierced through by a sword. In the year 250 AD, the church was hit by two great waves of suffering that would either wipe out Christianity from history or make it so strong that it would go on to convert the Roman Empire. It was in this year that the Emperor Decius signed a decree ordering every person in the Roman Empire to offer sacrifice to the gods or face certain death. This decree also just happened to coincide with a plague that had started to ravage the empire, killing thousands every day. Both of these events would challenge the faith of the early Christians and lead many to their deaths. The plague spread quickly through the cities around the Mediterranean Sea. At the height of the outbreak, up to 5,000 people a day were dying in the city of Rome. The population of Alexandria dropped by more than a half, 
either through death or people fleeing the city to escape the disease. Pope Dionysius spoke as though this was the end of the world. Having endured martyrdom, famine and war, the Christians now had to face the torment of plague. He wrote, Alas, all is now lamentation, everyone is mourning, and the city resounds with weeping because of the numbers that have died and are dying every day. Cyprian, the Bishop of Carthage, gave the most graphic description of the disease, describing a list of ailments that make for very difficult reading. The description has allowed modern scholars to presume that this disease was a hemorrhagic virus, possibly similar to the modern disease Ebola. At the time, the people did not know where the disease came from or how it was transmitted, but it filled everyone with fear. As Pope Dionysius wrote, out of the blue came this disease, a thing more terrifying to them than any terror, more frightful than any disease, whatever. This disease caused many to doubt their faith. Cyprian of Carthage wrote many letters during this time to his church, giving us an insight into the questions that many asked. Some of the Christians seemed to expect that their faith would mean that they would be protected from the disease. And when they saw people in the church dying, they began to doubt the faithfulness of God. Cyprian addressed them saying, It disturbs some that the power of this disease attacks our people equally with the heathen, as if the Christian believed for this purpose, that he might have enjoyment of the world and this life free from the contact of ills, and not as one who undergoes all adverse things here and is reserved for future joy. Cyprian assured the church that Christ did not die on the cross to save them from suffering, but to invite us to share his cross and find true life and eternity. In every city that was ravaged by the plague, Christians were forced to make some extreme decisions about how they would respond. Any person who had money or opportunity was abandoning the cities to seek refuge in the country, even if it meant abandoning family members who were displaying symptoms of the disease. In many cases, the Christians chose a different path. They intentionally stayed behind in the cities to care for those who had been abandoned and were dying. In some cases, they were able to nurse them back to health. In other cases, the Christians contracted the disease and paid the ultimate price for their love. The pagans who had long persecuted the Christians started to see that they sincerely believed in the resurrection, even if it meant sacrificing their lives for their enemies. While the plague was spreading across the empire, the emperor began to enforce a new wave of persecution against the church. He declared that everyone, except for the Jews, must offer sacrifice and burn incense to the gods. Once they had offered sacrifice, they would be given a certificate called a labellus to prove that they were loyal to the emperor. Failure to offer sacrifice would result in death. This created a division that nearly split the church. Many notable Christian leaders were executed for refusing to sacrifice to the gods, and still to this day it is not known how many gave their life for the faith. 
But there were some others in the church who believed that this decree was more about professing loyalty to the empire rather than professing faith in gods that did not exist. Many Christians chose to offer sacrifice, believing that the action meant nothing. Others refused to offer sacrifice, but paid money to get a certificate claiming that they had. This action was seen as the ultimate betrayal by the families of those who had been martyred. The Emperor Decius died 18 months after the persecution began, causing the edict to no longer be valid. While the church was no longer being attacked from outside forces, it was now torn apart by internal divisions. A split began to emerge within this church. The Pope wanted to invite back into the community those who had apostatized during the persecution. Others believed that this would compromise the integrity of the church. Some believed that they simply needed to do penance. Others believed that these people needed to be rebaptized. Some others suggested that forgiveness was simply not possible. The leader of this hardline view was a man called Novation. When his view was not supported by the Pope, he refused to recognize that the Pope was the true leader of the church. He had some of his supporters consecrate him as the Bishop of Rome, thereby making himself the Pope. Having just survived an intense persecution and while still struggling through the suffering of the plague, the church now had to contend with two men claiming to be the Pope. It was not long before Pope Cornelius called a council of 60 bishops to resolve the matter, declaring Novation excommunicated from the church. The questions about rebaptizing those who had apostatized continued to divide the church for the next few years, until in 257, Pope Stephen began to restore unity to the church. But once the internal divisions were healed, the external persecution started again. The Emperor Valerian signed a decree ordering all Christian clergy to offer sacrifices to the gods or face banishment. The following year, another decree was sent ordering the execution of all Christian leaders and any Christians working in public office were forced to offer sacrifice or have all of their property confiscated. Pope Stephen was martyred. Sixtus II was consecrated as Pope in a secret ceremony. Christians continued to gather, but only under the strictest secrecy. On the 6th of August in the year 258, Sixtus was beheaded while leading a group of Christians in worship. Four of his deacons were with him at the time and shared his fate. Two others were captured later that day and killed. The legend tells that his seventh deacon, Lawrence, was allowed to stay alive on the condition that he bring the wealth of the church to the emperor. The story passed down claims that he assembled the poor and disabled together and presented them to the emperor, claiming that they were the true riches of the church. Lawrence was then martyred four days after the Pope. The chaos of this time is captured in a letter written by Bishop Cyprian of Carthage to a fellow bishop at the time. 
he asks that this story be told to the churches so that the witness of the martyrs could strengthen all those who believe in Christ. He writes, Dear brother, the reason why I could not write to you immediately was that all the clergy were embroiled in the heat of the conflict. They could not possibly leave, all of them having prepared themselves for divine and heavenly glory. But now the messengers have come back, those whom I sent to the city to find out and report the truth of whatever decrees have been made about us. For people have been imagining all sorts of different possibilities. Here then is the truth. Valerian sent a rescript to the Senate saying that bishops, presbyters and deacons should all receive immediate punishment. That senators, knights and other men of importance should lose their rank and their property. And if they still persisted in being Christians, they should lose their heads. And that matrons should be deprived of their property and be sent into exile. Members of Caesar's own household, whether they had confessed their faith before or were only confessing it now, should be deprived of their property, bound in chains, and sent as slaves to his estates. To this command, Valerian attached a copy of the letters which he had sent to the governors of the various provinces about us, and we daily await the arrival of these letters, bracing ourselves, each according to the strength of his faith, for the suffering that is to be endured, and looking forward to the help and mercy of the Lord and the crown of eternal life. You should know, however, that Sixtus was martyred in the cemetery on the 6th of August, and four deacons with him. Moreover, the prefects of the city are daily pushing forward this persecution, and anyone who is presented to them is martyred and all his property confiscated by the state. I beg you to make these things known to the rest of our colleagues, so that through their encouragement the whole brotherhood may be strengthened and made ready for the spiritual conflict so that each one of us may think less of death and more of immortality, so that everyone dedicated to the Lord with full faith and total courage may rejoice in this confession and not fear it, for they know that the soldiers of God and Christ are not destroyed, but crowned. Dearest brother, always farewell in the Lord.